Are you still searching for that once-in-a-lifetime financial breakthrough? Has your financial position caused you to become green with envy? Call Schroeder Financial. At Schroeder Financial, financial security means turning eight figures into seven. Because that's the lucky number. Established in 2013 and located in Boston, USA, Schroeder Financial believes that the only safe bet is on yourself. Who needs 84 million over four years when you can get nearly six million in one? We see the same value in you that you see in yourself, even if other teams don't. Let your Christmases come at once with our Noel package. Involve family with the Cousins deal. And now, running out of our new Miami offices, why not try our Oladipo package where you can turn 25 million into a staggering tenth of that figure? Call Schroeder Financial. Schroeder Financial, for when a sure thing isn't nearly good enough. This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, one of the craziest days of AFL either of us can remember. Who is Coscomo and why is he heading to Perth? <laughs> I now pronounce you brother and sister. Oy. And one of the greatest keepy uppy points of all time. Huge week. Let's go. It's just before nine o'clock on Tuesday, the 24th of August, as we do at the top every week. Shui, what caught your attention and what'd you miss? Well, what a crazy week of sport. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. So much has happened. A lot of really cool things that I noticed over the week. I'm going to start off with something that I really hate noticing, which is these YouTube shorts. Okay. I often talk about how much I hate them. Just these little 20, 30 second clips that have kind of embedded themselves into YouTube. But I did see a really interesting one. So it's about Kobe Bryant. Now, in it, they were talking about how Kobe Bryant had done all of his pre-draft workouts, and the Clippers had actually said to him, that is the best workout we have ever experienced. We can't draft you, though. And Kobe's like, why not? They said, well, look, we're trying to rebuild our organization and our image. You're 17. We can't be seen drafting a 17-year-old and expect to be taken seriously. Kobe's like, well... Okay, not, not not a great excuse, but all right. And so basically the, the story goes that they didn't draft him. And who did they take? Lorenz and Wright. Oh, was that the same draft? That was the same draft. Oh, yeah, about 96, yeah. Yep. There you go. So, and apparently um, West said that it was the best workout he'd seen too, which is why the Lakers took him. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to put a bit of this into perspective. So Kobe outscored Lorenz and Wright in his career by 27 and a half thousand points. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets uh, worse. So the New Jersey Nets took Kerry Kittles afterwards. Fair enough. He yeah, he had a good career. Really great college career and a pretty decent pro career as yeah, well. Yeah, went to a couple of finals. But the next four players, Samaki Walker, Ooh. Eric Dampier, yeah. Todd Fuller, mm. and Vitaly Potapenko. Oh, lots of bigs. So Yeah, exactly. This is when the league was full of bigs. So again, to kind of summarize this, Dampier, Pretty solid. Only averaged double figures twice in his entire career. Was he on that Dallas championship team? Uh, yes, I believe. Was he? He was. He played for them around that definitely time. He played, might have grabbed a championship. Definitely played in the finals. I don't know if he yeah. played. Yeah. Uh, then you had Samaki Walker, who was an NBA champion in 2002 with the Lakers. Well, yeah, he's on Kobe's team. Exactly. But if you take a span of three consecutive years in Kobe's career, he scores more points in those three years than Walker did in his entire career. Mm. So not a great stat. Mm. Todd Fuller was a steaming pile of shit. He lasted about five years in the league. Again, Kobe had 17 individual seasons where he scored more than Fuller's entire career. Yeah, crazy. And Vitaly Potapenko averaged double figures once. 
and the Clippers have still never made the NBA Finals. Yeah. So really, really crazy. Well, they hadn't even made the Conference Finals until this season, mm. let alone NBA Finals. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And with no Kawhi Leonard for most of the season, they'll struggle this year as well. I can kind of understand otherwise why you would be reluctant to draft a high school player. But in the previous year's draft was KG and he was excellent. Mm. So the standard had kind of been set. I mean, I know I remember the Pacers took Jonathan Bender and I really liked him, but he turned into nothing as well. Yeah, but there have been a lot of those guys. Yeah, Kwame, Kwame Brown, Brown is yeah. the obvious one because he was number one. But yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty damning story for the Clippers. Yeah, yet was, another one. Elgin Baylor would have been their GM, I believe, the Clippers back then. Yeah, probably would have been around. Yeah. Time, actually. Yeah. Oh, no yeah. Then we move on to the crazy story. Cameron Smith, how's this shooting an 11 under past 60 at the Northern Trust in the third round? Yep, that's very impressive. Went from basically nowhere to a share of the lead with John Rahm. He did unfortunately lose in a playoff to Tony Finau overnight, but hell of a tournament for Smitty. And I'll tell you what, that mullet just keeps getting worse. <laughs> better or worse, depending on your, your thoughts on mullets, it's an absolute shocker, isn't it? The mullets are huge in sport at the moment. Oh, it is, it is nasty. <laughs> oh. Um, I did also see one of the most epic games of balloon keepy uppy that I've ever seen. Oh, on Twitter. I saw that. Those it was two, all over Twitter. Those two guys diving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that was all over Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say this, having two kids under the age of five, that is one of the most fun parts of being a dad is playing games of keepy uppy. I remember playing it as a kid. Yep. Yeah. It's, well, I still do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I do have to finish with a bit of a sad one. The story of Rashawn Jones, the former Miami college football player who's just been arrested in conjunction with the 2006 shooting death of teammate Brian Patter. Mm. Absolutely tragic. Mm. But obviously Goody's finally being brought to justice as well. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. Right, Nathan, you need to pick the mood up a little bit after that. What caught your attention? Well, maybe I'll change my order then because I'll start with the bad one first. Just to, to, It's not as bad as murder. Oh, good. So this one comes from a League One match in France between Marseille and Nice. It was a terrible incident. So fans of the home side basically entered the pitch, confronting a player from the opposition called Dimitri Payet before a brawl broke out involving both players and spectators. Luan Perez and Gwen Dozy both had visible strangle marks. One of the coaching staff hit a fan. Jeez, that is a Gwen Dozy, isn't it? <laughs> and how's this? Talk about adding injury to insult. Perez had only been at Marseille for a month and he's already been robbed. So his house has been robbed and now he's been involved in assault too. <laughs> this world we live in, honestly. But you know what's funny about this, Chewy? It's no, nothing. It started with a bottle being thrown from the crowd. Mm. What does that remind you of? <laughs> Any number of Malice reasons. in the palace. Oh, well, yeah, true. So, so we talked about this last week. And for those of you that only listen to the full episodes, you might go, hold on. No, you didn't. I didn't hear that. We actually, it's in our basketball clip from last week. It didn't make the cut on the final episode because we try and keep it as close to an hour as possible these days. So we actually talked about it for a good 10 minutes. So if you are interested in hearing our chat on Malice at the Palace, please go and listen to our most recent clip that we uploaded. I've started numbering them now. So it's Sport Bloke uh, segment 10. But uh, yeah, so I found that interesting. And the other thing about this is it's always the skinniest, weakest fans that are the ones throwing projectiles, the Mm. ones that are cowards basically yeah anyway okay so a couple of nicer things i just thought i'd start with that one after you had your your bad one i forgot to mention so with all my baseball stuff last week i forgot to mention that the cleveland indians have changed their name so they followed in the footsteps of the washington football team although they're now called the cleveland guardians 
Cleveland baseball team. <laughs> well, so apparently they're named after the Guardians because there's two big statues near the building that are called the Guardians. So that's why. Do you reckon that owner just likes Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, I don't know. Like Michael Wilbon was really pissed off about this on PTI. He's like, they already had a team, you know, in the, they used to have a team called the Spiders. Why couldn't they be called the Cleveland Spiders? Oh, which is that would have been great. Which is fair enough. We, we hey. have mentioned the Cleveland Spiders. Yeah, we have actually in this week in sport. Yeah, yeah, we have. So that's that's another interesting one. How's this? So you mentioned last week that Lionel Messi had gone to Paris Saint-Germain. They've already sold $140 million in shirts since then. The interesting part? With a 5% royalty on the Jordan brand, Michael Jordan has already made $7 million personally from those messy jersey sales. And that's more than he earned in 13 of his 15 NBA seasons. Jesus, that is ridiculous. How's that? I've always said these jerseys are way too expensive. Oh, yeah, well, you know better than anyone. I do. I do. <laughs> the Imelda Marcos of uh, jersey collection. <laughs> <laughs> if there could be such a thing. <laughs> anyway, true. I wanted to finish on some trivia without notice. Ooh, so shit. at the quiz that I MC on a Monday night, we actually had a great question about the three highest valued sporting teams as of last year, according to Forbes magazine. Do you want to have a crack? I would have thought the Dallas Cowboys. Yep, number one, 5.7 billion. For some reason, I still think the Knicks would be in there. Yes, very good. Third place, 5 billion. Hang on, is this just in America or international? Well, it is international. It is international, but funnily enough, they are all American teams. Yep. It can't be as simple as the Lakers, sure. Well, it's funny you say. I'm glad you got it wrong so I can use the uh, the good sound effect. And so it doesn't look like I cheated as well. I was very surprised it wasn't the Lakers, but it's not the Lakers. Hmm. The Anaheim Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Living off the Amelia West of those royalties. No. You want one more shot? Oh, God. Wrong sport. <sighs> Oh, the Yankees. The Yankees. Third place, 5.25. Oh, that is so obvious. But how's this? The Dallas Cowboys haven't been really relevant for 25 years. And the Knicks, when was the last time they won a championship? 71? So... And the Yankees are shit right now and well. the, Yeah, I mean, the Yankees have been far more successful in the last 20 years. But yeah, so there you go. Mm, good question. What'd you miss, mate? Well, I didn't see a single second of the Collingwood and Essendon match. And uh, to be fair, after West Coast and Fremantle both lost, I didn't have any interest in it whatsoever. Yeah, I didn't see a hell of a lot. How about yourself? Uh, well, I missed the first half of the Port Dogs game, but I saw the second half and what a second half it was. The more important of the two? Yes, it was a smorgasbord of footy and we will absolutely go through that very shortly indeed. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, we have a joint bloody hell this week, both of which are for relations that shouldn't have happened. Yes, indeed. The first belongs to MotoGP star Miguel Oliveira, and the second belongs to Norwegian First Division football club Bran SK. So we'll start in Portugal with Oliveira, who has just married Andrea Pimenta last month. Pimenta is his stepsister, who he grew up with. Now, don't get me wrong, she's a very good-looking woman, but family is family. (laughs) It's irrelevant how good looking she is. Yeah, that's it's a line you just don't cross. And for the record, they weren't dating when Oliviera's father met Pimenta's mother. They're also now expecting a child. Yes. Good for them. I wish them happiness, but still. 
It reminds me of that movie, My Sister, My Mother, My Sister, My Mother. I don't even know what movie it is. No idea what oh, that I knew you wouldn't either. <laughs> I'm just laughing because... Of- <laughs> I might try and work that out for yeah, next please, week. I'll please, work it out for next week. Now, over to Bergen in Norway now, where 12 players from Brand SK recently went out to dinner together and, and also then went to a nightclub, where they picked up seven women between them before taking them back to the club's stadium and engaging in sex acts on the pitch and in the change room. That is not a euphemism, by the way. Um, Christopher Barman, who has been with the club since 2003, was fired by the club and another 10 players were given written warnings. Brand currently sit at the foot of the table and probably need to focus on a different kind of scoring. Zing. So for marrying your stepsister, all I can say is puta merda. And for hosting a stadium sex party that no club in their right mind would sanction, all I can say is svarta helveta, bloody hells. Bloody hell. All right, let's get straight stuck into the AFL now, Shui. For the last time this year, we'll be talking about tips. You bradbreed me. I knew you would. You fucking bradbreed you. You did. You bradbreed me. I fell over you're not, and you passed me. You are me. not good enough to be that Chinese <laughs> skater. <laughs> well, it's not a bad thing. It's the, why, why bradbreed won gold? Why is that? It's not a bad thing. I didn't overtake you in the, like, I didn't sort of come all the way back in the second last round. Oh, okay. Well, clearly you're not happy with the, uh, you beat me by one, Stuart. Thank Congratulations. You, thank you, sir. You choked. Bradbury. <laughs> oh, of course I choked. I'm not denying that. Yeah. You Bradbury. <laughs> so, yes, the final scores, Nathan, 125, Stuart, 126. Yep. You beat everyone in the age, at least. I did, yeah. So the best score in the age was 124. So both of us would have won the age. But how's this? Like, So Wayne Carey, 121. Same with Daisy Pierce. Carolyn Wilson, 119. Bob Murphy, 118. So Sam McClure, 114. So we beat all the experts, both of us. Yeah. And that was me having a horrid last seven rounds. Or maybe, maybe more than seven. Yeah. I don't think either of us had an amazing season, to be honest. No, no. Well, I was always entering them about half an hour before bounce down and then never check, never changing the ones after the Friday night match, even though I had the best of intentions nearly every week. Well, I had seven out of nine this week. I would have had eight, and it should have been eight, but I changed my tip from St Kilda to Fremantle about 30 seconds before bounce down. I did your tip. Yes, and I nearly changed. Well, the one I should have changed, you, I tell you what, you played me like a fiddle, I've got to say. You were in my head. Because I thought there's no way Stewie tips Port after rubbishing them all season long. And even though I wanted to pick Port, and I should have picked Port, but it was the Freo St Kilda game I thought I might get you on because I knew Freo weren't going to win. It was like it had a Freo loss was just written all over it. Okay, well the Josh Bruce injury was the reason I picked Port. Right. And I'd absolutely written that game off at halftime. Oh yeah, it was amazing. I'd yeah. Absolutely written that off. Yeah. We'll talk about that more in a second. Yes, we yeah, will. the, the Freer game, I just thought the occasion, they have to rise to that occasion. And of course they didn't. If Fife and Walters had played, I probably would have tipped them. But they had so many guys if out. Any of their players had played. Yeah, they had a lot of guys out. Yeah. They they yeah. just didn't turn on. I was yeah. It was a typically Freo thing to do, I dare say. It was. Yeah. So as I mentioned, an absolutely crazy week in sport, but most specifically in the AFL. And it has to be said, the Friday night right through the Saturday night is probably the craziest 24 hours of footy we've had in as long as I can remember. Oh, it's the best final round that I can remember, even with the Sunday games not being that great. We had a draw. We had two massive comebacks. We had the power overcoming the dogs at Marvel where they'd won their last five, which is why I should have tipped them and wanted to tip them. We had Melbourne coming back from 44 points. Wow. 
And that's Crazy. Not, that's not even talking about Brisbane trying to get to that magic number to overtake the Western Bulldogs. Exactly. Yes. Yes. The most nail-biting 38-point game in, <laughs> in the history of AFL. <laughs> <laughs> where where they were in and out of the top four nine different times. Oh, and I'll tell you what, that point, man, was that really a point? It didn't matter in the end because Charlie Cameron kicked a goal after mm. it. But that point was very close to the well, post. We'll, we'll talk more about that. So Oof. we did want to talk about the All-Australian 40, but I don't think we have enough time this week. And no, we'll come back to that next week. There's, yeah. there's a lot to be said about that. But look, full credit to the Melbourne Demons. Seven players in the 40 is... An unreal effort. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And, of course, they didn't even make the eight last season. So they jumped from ninth to first place. Their first first place finish since their premiership year in 1964. And want to know a crazy stat about that? The last time the Ds finished first, the Olympics were in Tokyo. Huh. So I guess we've obviously got to start with the one versus two matchup over the weekend. The Demons and the Cats. Absolutely crazy game, as we've already said. You've already mentioned the 44-point comeback two-thirds of the way through the third quarter. There's quite a few things, though, that we have to talk about. So before we even get to the end, we're kind of going to talk about the whole Patrick Dangerfield thing. Oh, yeah? So he had an eight-minute stretch in the fourth quarter where he was on the bench, and I think it was just shy of 14 minutes all up. It was 14 total. Selwood nearly 12 total, and Guthrie nearly eight total in the fourth quarter. So when you look at that, it just it boggles the mind. And, okay, I understand that this game probably did mean, and I said this last week, this game meant more to the Melbourne Demons than it did to the Geelong Cats. And I said last week coaches might not tip their hand entirely and it's an old list for Geelong, so they might rest guys a little bit. I'm not sure it was intentional, though. Not necessarily. I think it might have just been a massive oversight. Yeah. I guess one of the things that I did hear and a really good bit of logic about this was Geelong knew they were playing in Adelaide next week. It was whether they played Port or whether they were playing against Brisbane. Yep. So I, I think they kind of looked at it and went, well, does it really matter? And the result is they get Port Adelaide. That's all fine. But geez, like you just you can't make those sorts of mistakes. It, it, I just don't understand how a team that has so many analytics and so many assistant coaches could let a player of Dangerfield's caliber sit on the bench for that long. Well, it's like when the Bombers ran out of interchanges against the Swans a few weeks ago. Yep. One thing I did hear on the first crack on Fox Footy, the boys noticed that they didn't send Mark O'Connor to tag Clayton Oliver either. So I do think some of the coaches in, particularly those top four games, maybe were holding some cards. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and it's funny you say that about the the fact that they did make the mistake and everything. A lot of the commentary seems to be across the media at the moment that the Cats are okay. Even though they lost, they're okay. A lot of people are still saying that they are the favourites to win the whole thing. And, yeah, as I said, I will absolutely double down on it. This game meant a shitload more to Melbourne than it did to Geelong. Yeah, well, and you only need to see the tears that were were falling down Petrarca's cheek after the match and the way they celebrated. So let's talk very quickly then about the lead-up to the Max Gorn goal. So about a minute to go... You've got Brayshaw hacking one out of a pack off the side of the boot and it skids out over the boundary line for a what seemed to be a fairly obvious throw-in. The umpires decide, no, insufficient, let's pay a free kick. Disgraceful. Oh, it was bizarre. It was absolutely bizarre. There it was, was not deliberate. There was absolutely no benefit in no. kicking that out of bounds. No, not at all. So that was ridiculous. It was weird. But I'm kind of glad that there was a bit of karma. So obviously from the ensuing free kick, 
Cam Guthrie kicks one over the boundary line. And I believe it was Close who has punched, punched the ball it, yeah. while it's over the boundary, 50-meter penalty, which leads to to the kick. Yep. But have you seen the footage of Reese Stanley and his and his lack of matching up on that Yeah, score? I have. Can we go back though to the punch first? Would oh. they have called that a 50 had there been a crowd there? Yes. You reckon? Yep. I don't know. They've been cracking down on that a lot. Okay, okay. I've seen several of them. I, I put it this way. It was certainly easier for the umpire to make that call without a full GMHBA stadium. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, you're right. Reese Stanley, he didn't follow Gorn. He just left him open 20 metres out. And then complained when no one picked him up. Oh. Mate, you're the only one that's tall enough. To yeah, and Tom Stewart's injured. Yeah. So, of course, it had to be him. Crazy. But how crazy was it, speaking of crazy, how crazy was it that Gorn, kicked that goal after the, the miss in round one of 2018. That's right. He exercised those demons. And I'll tell you what, he's the uh, one... Demons. Oh, well, unintentional pun. He's the one player where you didn't say for sure that it was going through. Oh, no. He was 10 goals, 14, with six misses completely on 30 shots at goal this season. And the precedent was in 2018 that... He, he'd, he'd, missed that he'd missed that gimme. It's funny you say that. Though. I was actually talking to my wife's half-sister on Messenger after the game. She is a diehard Melbourne Demons fan. Ah, uh, okay. And I said to her, I said, how confident were you when he's standing over that? And she said, honestly, I've never felt more nervous for a guy in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously she knows what it's like to go through all of that. Yeah, and Demons fans are notorious pessimists too, so... Realists. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> How's this? It's the first time ever the Ds have won a game with a kick after the siren in their entire history. Hmm. That's nuts. Do you know what's crazy? The Eagles have had more than that against Port Adelaide alone in the last five years. There probably. you go. There you go. <laughs> There you go. That is that just came to my mind when you yeah. said that. I was thinking, yeah, well, Shuey and McGovern both kicked one. So that's yeah, that is nuts. And they were down 44, but they were down 32 at three-quarter time. So yep. it's more than five goals. Very but, impressive. But they had that very quick run on. They had basically five goals in the space of maybe eight or nine minutes to start the quarter, and it gave them all the belief. So yep. yeah, hell of an effort from Melbourne. And I'm glad that they did it because I honestly think that what I said last week about if they'd been blown out like 50, 60 points you could have seen them go out in a whimper in the finals. And you said Adelaide either way, but the difference between Port with fans and Adelaide as a neutral venue is pretty big. Oh, yeah. So in the end, it was a, it was a fairly big loss for Geelong. I think Geelong will still back themselves. They will, but yeah. Speaking of Port Adelaide, yes. we should probably get on to them. Incredible, the- yes. Yes, the Friday night game. It started the round with an absolute bang. So not quite as big a comeback as what the Demons managed to eke out, but 15 points down inside nine minutes. Still in a low scoring match, yeah, still has to be done. But how was the catalyst for that? That ridiculous 45 meter check side off one step from Ollie Wines. Oh, he was magnificent, wasn't he? And Boak wasn't that great in front of goal, but Boak played bloody well too. Oh, he was phenomenal, yeah, yeah, because Charlie Dixon had a fairly quiet game, he did have a very quiet game, yeah, yeah. So, really, I think a lot of this goes on to the guys like Robbie Gray, Ollie Wines. Wines, he's very much firmed into a favourite for the Brownlow this year. Well, oh, maybe, he'll be right up there. Maybe not a favourite, but top two or three. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we spoke last week about the fairly worrying trend for the Bulldogs around the Ruck. Oh, yeah. That compounded massively over the weekend. Yep. So we've probably all seen the footage of Tim English standing in the goal square with Marcus Bontempelli going up in the Ruck yep. against Scotty Lysette and yep. doing a fairly decent job, I have to say, considering how undersized he was. An admirable job. Definitely. Yep. 
But gee whiz. It's not going to cut the mustard. It really isn't. And yeah. I've heard a lot of people saying that if English is not going to be in the ruck, they're either going to have to take a massive chance on Stefan Martin, who is very much undone. Oh, hugely undone. He's had eight weeks out now with what hip and all sorts, all sorts of different injuries. I don't, I don't think they can play. If they play him, it's a major mistake. I don't think they can. But can they? But what's the, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. So they have to basically either take a punt on Martin or take a punt on another all-out ruckman because English, since the concussion, just hasn't been the same player. Mm. And it's it's scary, you know. This is a dogs team that. I think you said how many weeks have they been in the top four? Well, they showed at the end of the match, they showed like the the ladder position. And by the way, all five places changed hands in the final round. Like on Fox Footy, they always do snakes and ladders on AFL 360. Oh, that's cool. I love it every week. But all five top top five changed. Um, but yeah, they were basically consistently top two nearly the entire season and then dropped into fifth place in the final round. Just fell off a cliff like that guy. Yeah. From, from the price is right. Yeah. Your lady, your lady, like that. Yeah, my favourite segment on the Price is Right. Everyone's got to have one. Okay. Now, in keeping with the funny theme, we do have to very quickly address Razor Ray Chamberlain. Stewie, do not speak to me like that. He did sound a little bit like he belonged in an episode of Kathy. He, Kim, he really he? did. Yeah, look at me. Don't speak to me like that, Kimmy. <laughs> A lot of people uh, have been going off at him saying he's overstepped the mark, he's speaking to him disrespectfully. What are your thoughts? Oh, I, that's... We rubbish umpires a lot, but who we, we don't know what was said. For all we know, he's been chatting at him all game long and he's just had enough of it. He's In a way, he's doing him a favour because he can give away a 50 for... So, no, I don't have a problem with it. Mm, I couldn't agree with you more on this. One of the biggest issues I have with world sport is the way that players in soccer speak to the, the referees and the umpires. The way that they talk back to them, tell them to F off, all of these different things that they do, and I just think there's no place for that. These guys are just out here trying to do the toughest job in the game. It's a thankless job. Oh, it really is. You, you hear about this all the time. The best referees and best umpires are the ones that you don't know the names of. Yes. Well, Razor Ray, we do know. Well, we do because he's theatrical. Yes. And that's okay. But yeah, I have absolutely no problem with him speaking to Rourke Smith like this. It's nah, absolutely yeah. the right thing to do. As yeah, it's going to take up. Better that than giving him 50. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. then everyone would be pissing and moaning, oh, what's the 54? And it's not just soccer. There is a bad trend in world sport of umpires copping too much and not having enough respect. Like, look at all the NBA guys too. Isn't it, With whistleblower in mind, of course. But Isn't it funny, though, that two of the toughest sports in the world, the AFL and the rugby, are the two where you say a word to these umpires and you get you can get sent off. You, all sorts of things happen. Like, well, in the rugby, they have to call them sir. Yeah. Yeah. They do not take shit, which yeah. I, I agree with entirely. So the dogs, Stewie, they finished seventh last season and it was looking like they'd climbed quite well until they dropped off to fifth at the end of this round. I want to quote someone. When you think about the talent they have, anything less than a top four spot will be a failure for them. Who said that? Yourself in episode 26. Oh, episode 26. <laughs> I went back and listened to some of our predictions and stuff. So they go into the finals on a three-game losing streak. Apparently, the best bad form team to win a flag, in a, I know that sounds a bit weird, but was Hawthorne in 1976, who lost their final two home and away matches. As far as the AFL 360 guys could tell, no team has won a premiership after losing their last three home and away matches. It does not bode well for the Dogs at all. At all. 
I'm just rereading that quote of mine. That's classic, Stu. <laughs> that is classic, Stu. I've done well there. Well, you quoted yourself last week, so I thought I'd quote you this week. There you go. Yeah. No, look, that is, but it's absolutely spot on as well. As it you, is. As you read it, yep. finishing outside the top four is absolutely a failure for yep. them, and it probably will result in them being knocked out in the first week. Yeah, I'm picking the Bombers. Hmm. Yeah, at risk of doing tips before tips. No, don't blame you. Yeah. Don't blame you. So to just quickly round this game up, Port Adelaide now moved to 6-0 and in games decided by 13 points or less. I think you were right last week. They are absolutely hitting their straps at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And now they've got a home final and a home prelim, potentially. It's all set up for them. The only only issue is Georgiades. Yeah, that is a big issue. Yeah, he's been very good as a young goal kicker. They'll need more out of Dixon. As you said, he was very quiet. And the, the question is whether they go small with someone like Horatio Fantasia or... You know, a Motlop. And Motlop wasn't spectacular either. No. So he's not a guaranteed walk up into that team. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, look, they're, they're hitting the straps, but Georgiades, if he doesn't play, and it, it's not ruled out entirely, but I think they'd be stupid too with the double oh, chance. Yeah, he'll miss at least the first week of finals, surely. Yeah. Surely. Well, sure, I dare say it's not a surprise, but your finals hopes were finally dashed in a loss to Brisbane at Brisbane. I was actually impressed. I, I was surprised, yeah. I was very, very impressed. And I, I'll, I've got a few things to say about the game, but I'll, I'll let you kind of lead off on this one. Oh, the, the, I mean, it, it was a game until very late in the piece. I can't remember. I didn't take note of the time on the clock. But unfortunately, a horrible, horrible free kick to Jared Berry just ruined the momentum and basically handed Brisbane the percentage boost they needed to jump into the four. Okay, you're going to let me off the leash for this one, are you? <laughs> well, I, I thought I should acknowledge it first. No, I appreciate Because it, it was bullshit. I appreciate that. Yeah. Because I the, the reason it frustrates me is I hate blaming umpires yes. for, for, for games. And I'm not saying that that's the reason we lost. It's the same as the Freo game last week. The first quarter was what cost us, not the not called out of bounds yeah. call. Yeah. But all the momentum's going West yeah. Coast way, down by five points. And okay, it should have been a goal in the first place. He takes a mark, what, 15, 20? Oh, yeah, out. not far. Yeah, yeah. 15 out, maybe 20 out, straight in front. But, yeah, if you're going to miss that one and then milk one of the pissiest free kicks, yes, okay, there was contact. It was an undisciplined act, but those sort of things happen so many times in a game of footy. Is that the sort of precedent you want to set? Oh, no. It going, was horrible. Going into finals. Horrible. Very disappointing. My, my thought with this is basically, could you imagine if that happened in the fourth quarter of a grand final. Well, and and the implications extend beyond just this match. So a lot of Dogs fans will look at that moment and go, fuck, we might be bundled out in week one when we might have otherwise had a double chance. Yep. So, yeah, it was terrible. So not only was the free kick bullshit, but there was also 24 seconds lost off the clock. Yeah, the time on issue. Yeah. And if you look at when the final point that kind of put Brisbane over the top, it yeah. was about 14 seconds left in the yep, game. Yep. And the Charlie Cameron goal too after that. After the side. Yeah, yeah. So yep, yep. there's a lot of things that Western Bulldogs fans will feel particularly frustrated by in that game. Look, they should have won. So they have no one to blame but themselves. But geez, it was rubbing salt in the wounds. And I, just, I do just quickly want to go back to Jared Berry. He has absolutely put me off the Brisbane Lions. I, I'm someone who has followed the Brisbane Lions and, and enjoyed watching them play for several years now. I can't stand them now just because of him. So not just that one decision, but there were multiple times when he was being tackled, caught holding the ball, and he's just dived forward into the ground and trying to milk it in the and, back. And he and he did it both times. Yeah, right. He is an actor of the highest degree. 
There is no place for that in the game of footy. And I'm off him. If you want to see diving, watch soccer. Yeah. It's 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 crept into the AFL game. It's it, it's not good. And I know I should feel bad about that considering Luke Shuey and the amount of head-high free kicks that he's drawn over the years. But, <laughs> and all the silwards. But they at least took the contact. Whereas he's just throwing himself... Yeah. Anyway, off him. Could you enjoy the drama of the percentage boosts that the Lions needed? As I said, they went in and out of the top four on nine different occasions throughout the course of the match. Jared Waitley very aptly referred to it as the Duckworth-Lewis of footy, which I thought was pretty cool <laughs> in great. AFL 360. That is great. No, I couldn't enjoy it. I no. was... Fair enough. I was too. absolutely fuming. Yeah, I, I understand. Not because of the fact that we lost, but how we lost. That that was the, the reason I, I couldn't stand it. And I, yeah, I, I was glad that I had the house to myself. And I dare say it kind of summed up the Eagles season, didn't it? Oh, absolutely it did. Yeah. Gave you a bit of hope and then disappointed. But at least we showed some heart in this game. It was the same as the, the previous week. Off to a horrible start. Show some signs in the middle quarters and then just fade. Yeah. So... Yep. It was always an uphill battle in Brisbane with a crowd, but still, yeah, they gave it a crack. Yeah, and look again, the tackle count: Brisbane eighty-two to fifty-one in the tackle count, twenty-five to ten inside fifty. But I have to say, Andrew Gaff, five tackles. <laughs> he heard you last he week. He heard me. <laughs> Good to have you along, Gaffy. In the random stat department, Stewie, Brisbane haven't played in a game decided by less than fifteen points since round three. For perspective, Geelong have played in eight different matches. Melbourne, seven. Port have played in and won all six. Wow. So that's a good way to be battle-tested heading into finals for, for Port particularly, but not so yeah, much Brizzy. Brizzy, okay. And Brizzy have not played a top eight team for a long time. A long time. More than two months. Mm. So that's an interesting one too as far as copying a test. That is. Yeah. So we'll kind of brush over the other three relatively important games I say relatively important. The Richmond Hawthorne game, not super important, but important because of the in, the retiring of Sean Burgoyne and Asbury and Hawley, Hawley for, for yeah. Richmond as well. Yeah. So and, and the fact it was a major comeback too. It's looking it was looking like Hawthorne were going to win that game comfortably. I, I never I didn't watch the game, but I kept an eye on the scores. And I was amazed when I saw the final score. Yeah, it didn't look like there was any chance that Richmond were going to get back in it. And then all of a sudden they just decided. Fuck it, let's just play like Richmond. Let's, Open the floodgates. Yeah, let's start taking the game on. Let's possess the footy. Let's take it through the corridor. And it led to some relatively easy goals. Now, look, fair credit to Jack Rewalt. He kicked two very difficult goals to drag Richmond back into a draw. The one from the boundary line where he decided to go the drop punt instead of the round the corner. Hey! Very unusual. Yes. And obviously the last one where he socketed it out of a pack and Jeez, how poetic it would have been if Sean Burgoyne had managed to get a finger on that. I did want Hawthorne to get that win for Burgoyne and, and Clarko, yeah. Did you actually see after the game, though, Rewalt go up to Burgoyne and say, oh, man, I sort of wish you touched it. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. But I did see Clarko gate-crashing uh, Zimmer's yeah. press conference, <laughs> which was pretty that funny. That was great. They're clearly good mates, so, yeah. Well, they would be because they were involved in the Port Adelaide yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. final in yeah. 2003 or whatever it was. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and... Look, a cracking game. And amazingly, in the history of the Tigers and Hawks, which goes back to 1925, it's the first draw they've ever had. There you go. So, yeah, ripping game of footy. And and great to see some of the youngsters coming up for Hawthorne. I think they're going to be a very fun team to watch over the next couple of years. They're certainly better than what many predicted as far as health of their list. Yeah. Now they've actually done really well. Now, your mob, Sydney and Gold Coast, an absolute pantsing by the Swans. Yes, indeed. Yes. Swans have won six of their last seven. 
and haven't been in the state of New South Wales since the 22nd of June. Which year? This year. Okay. But that's why when you ask me, will the moment get too big for them? No, they're very poised, very poised. And that I'm not saying they'll win, but that won't be the reason why. And I think another thing that really bodes well for the Swans is the balance of their list. So they have a lot of really good young players, your Wicks, your Gouldens, your Campbells, your McDonald's. They've got a lot of kind of middling guys, Callum Mills, okay, Blakey, these guys are injured. Then you've got your veterans like Lloyd. Lloyd. Joey Kennedy, Rampy. Rampy's kind of in the middle. Franklin, yeah. So so there's a really good balance on, on the team, and I think it really bodes well heading into the finals. And your forward line is out of sight right now. Yeah, Papley's playing bloody well. Probably should get an All-Australian nod as well, in addition to Franklin, who's only eight goals away from the Magic 1,000. And considering how much you were actually trying to find him, it seemed like every kick was trying to find Franklin. Yeah, so they were talking about that on Footy Classified last night. It's actually the first full episode of Footy Classified I've watched all season. And previously in other seasons, we have been far too buddy-centric. I don't think we have been this season. I think it was just in this game where it was already over. I mean, the margin was huge, so I didn't have a problem with that at all. Now, we've got to talk about the sour cream on top of the cake, the Callum Mills injury. Yes, it's big. It's Huge. big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, look, he, he's he's had problems for weeks, so it's not all that surprising, but he's a very important player. Yeah. Who, who takes his place? It's <sighs> a good question. Well, the name I've heard bandied around is Chad Warner. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm quite a big fan of his, actually. He's very close to our best 22. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's... I think we can weather it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good signs. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, but just about the form team heading into the finals. The only loss in the last seven was against St Kilda, a bit anomalous. Mm-hmm. And that was the weird thing about the Swans is they lost to Gold Coast earlier in the season. They lost to they lost most a lot of the Swans' losses were to bottom ten teams. That's what you want. Well, I guess so. Yeah. And then the other one that we do have to mention just quickly: GWS and Carlton. Bit of a surprising result in that I don't think many people expected Carlton to be in that game anywhere near as long as they were. I was amazed. Yeah, I saw the last quarter of that one. Absolutely amazed. It could be one of those ones where they were just trying to do it for Eddie Betts. In could, yes, game. yes, indeed. It's 350th. Yep, yep. But there's a lot of GWS players in some really, really good form. Callum Ward had an absolutely cracking game. Hopper continues his All-Australian form. GWS... Very, very scary. And obviously we said it last week, not an amazing matchup for the Swans. No, not at all. But uh, to be honest, I'm less fearful now after the Carlton game because they should have handled Carlton. They should have handled them. So I have a little bit more optimism now for the Swannies. But yeah, GWS, we didn't think, we gave them an F grade in our season review last season. And they gave us an F, didn't they? We we thought, well, they gave us an F U, I think. Yeah. We, we, we thought they were trending down and we thought their window had closed after they finished 10th last year. But it looked like it early on in the season. It did. It did. And they did lose to the bottom three sides when the finals were still on the line for them late last season. So I think our appraisal at the time was accurate. But, geez, they've had a good couple of months. But, I mean, if, if you look at the start to the season, they lose to St Kilda, a team that not many people were expecting to do particularly uh, well. Well, they won a final last year. Then they got smashed by Frio, who, again, team, didn't teams, make the finals. team that didn't make the finals, you're expecting to be okay. Melbourne, at the time, we didn't know how good they were going to be. No, well, they finished ninth, as I said earlier, last season. So Okay, they beat Collingwood, who, again, we're expecting. They just beat the Swans 
and then they get pantsed by the Western Bulldogs. At that stage, you're thinking, okay, they're two and four. Oh, yeah, they had a horrible start. There's not particularly great signs coming out. Then all of a sudden they turn up and they start playing good footy. They had a good win over, over Essendon. They smashed the Crows. So, yeah, it's it's been a really difficult season to predict. And, look, I'm glad to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how's this? Four of the top eight this season didn't make the top eight last season. So we've had a real turnover in the top eight. And that's great. And I've got to say, I think some of the Swans' success, and I predicted they'd finish around seventh, so I was pretty close. Uh, I think some of it is just attributed to the fact that they didn't have as many injuries this season. Mm. Buddy didn't play a game last season. Yep. Henny didn't play after round six. Joey Kennedy missed games. Jake Lloyd missed games. A lot of really important players missed games last season. Being healthy is so important. It's so much. <laughs> it's an underrated skill in football. Oh, it's well, as as the great Jalen Rose says, the best ability sometimes is availability. Yes, so true. I think we need to round this out with probably one of the most distressing things that I've seen all season, and that is the landing of Tom DeConing. Under two minutes to go, takes a massive specky, basically lands on his head and knees himself in the face. Yeah, and gets up with birds circling his head well and truly, or stars. And yeah. that, that's the problem, isn't it? The fact that there were multiple team doctors out there and they let him try and run it off. Ugh. And then you see him fall over yeah. and... There's, there's just there's nothing funny about that. I've, I've spoken about the concussion that I had. I know how serious it is. And supposedly it's meant to be more important these days, looking after head knocks. Yeah. So, and it doesn't have to be a head knock from another player, any head knock. Mm. So, yeah. Well, this is it. You don't get a gold star like you used to for being able to run off being a big man. Like it, it doesn't achieve anything. The stretcher is out there. Just get on the thing. And yeah, as I say, there's no way he should have been allowed to to try and run that off. That was ridiculous. It's funny you mention that. I remember, I think it might have been the Swans Gold Coast game where Demi was talking about Robert Dippier Domenico playing with a major injury for three weeks. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's it's a different time now. It is. So, Stuart, I guess we've got to probably look at all of the matchups in, in week one of the finals. And last season, the top four sides were going into the finals in pretty good form. But the Dogs, as we've mentioned, have dropped from first to fifth in three rounds and they were outscored by six goals to nil in the fourth. They are not looking good at all. So maybe let's start there. In the 5v8 matchup, we've got the Dogs and Essendon in Tasmania. Who you got? Yeah, we've spoken about it already. I've got the Bombers. Yep, me too. I think the Bombers will win this by... It'll be a close one, maybe a couple of goals. I think the Tassie side of things is, uh, is a really interesting dynamic, having the games outside... Won't be particularly warm down there. It's a ground that teams don't play many times during the year. So I think that could be an interesting factor. And the tip is that there'll probably be more Essendon fans than Dogs fans there. So it's going to almost feel more like an Essendon home game. Yeah, right. Okay. So I absolutely, I agree with you. I'm going to pick the Bombers by 19. Okay. I'll take them by 14. And look, it's got to be said, the Bombers, they were a major surprise. They finished in 13th place last year. We both thought they were trending down after the departures of Danaher, Fantasia and Saad, which is fair enough. So to make the finals was a very impressive feat indeed. And maybe maybe it's good they lost those players. Maybe their list's in better shape without those players and the cap hold that they have. Well, Danaher leaving allowed Jake Stringer to become an All-Australian again. Yes. Losing Saad through the midfield. Okay, yeah, it was a big loss. But you look at guys like Darcy Parrish, who has become a phenomenal player. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you've got you've got Merritt, you've got all of these guys that have come through, and they've got a, a really good young list. So yeah, great to see. So the popular stat that kind of gets wheeled out every time the Bombers make the finals of late is 
that they haven't won in now 17 years or 6,203 days by the time the match rolls around. We were halfway through our uni days. Yeah, well, that's right. So in between that elimination final win over Melbourne in 2004 and this Sunday's trip to Tassie, the Bombers have lost five consecutive elimination finals and they finished eighth in three of those attempts. So they've just snuck in. The other times they finished seventh. So so we both think they will snap that horrid run. Mm -hmm. Battle of the Bridge, Stewie, GWS and the Swans. Could be the game of the finals for this week. Could be. I, I, I'm not sure, though. Okay. I think after what happened over the weekend, I'm a little bit the same as you. I, I feel more positive that the Swans will get it done. I, I think probably somewhere in the vicinity of about 27, 28 points. Okay, comfortable, you reckon? I, I think so, yeah. Okay, I'm going to pick the Swans in a real close one, seven points. GWS always get up for the Swannies to the point where they're actually 2-0 in finals appearances. It's time for the Swans to beat the Giants finally in a final. Hot take, Shane Mumford oversleeps. <laughs> well, he's underdone. So so he he might struggle to play out the full match. That's big for them. I know the Swans have some big injuries, but that's big for the Giants, definitely. Imagine if he doesn't turn up. Be, <laughs> he's, he's missed his alarm. That would be more than a little bit funny. That would be. So I've already mentioned a number of interesting stats to do with the Swans. The other one I haven't mentioned is they're the number one team scoring off turnovers. So the Giants better hope they look after the ball. Mm-hmm. That's, that is a very important stat mm. in today's footy. So then our double chance games, where do you want to start with those? 1v4. 1v4. So Melbourne will be playing the Brisbane Lions. Fuck Brisbane. Melbourne was six, <laughs> 605. No, look, I think this one probably will be the pick of the bunch. Okay. Me. Yeah, okay. I, okay. I can see this being a very, very close game. I think both teams are going to go all out. I think Melbourne by... Oh, I think this is going to be really close. And I think Melbourne by nine. I'll take the Ds by 17. And then finally, Port will be hosting Geelong in the 2v3. It will be Selwood's 35th finals appearance, would wow. you believe? <laughs> and in the last 15 years, Geelong have had 12 top four appearances, eight out of 11 years with Chris Scott as head coach. Not bad. So, Not wow. Bad. What a team. What a team. Who you got? Port. <laughs> Me too, actually. Me too on that. Yeah. What, what a team, but I, I still think they'll get done. Yeah. I, I Port at home with a crowd. With, with a crowd, yeah. Look, the Georgiades injury, as I said, that does worry me a little bit. But Geelong have got their own injury worries. They still don't know if Mitch Duncan's going to be back. They still don't know about Zach Tui. They don't have Tom Stewart. There's a lot of injuries there for Geelong. So, yeah, look, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's talk that I think Selwood was saying it's the most rested they have been going into a final series, and it's probably easy to be rested when you barely play in the, in the fourth, fourth quarter. quarter yeah, yep. But, yeah, look, it's it's just hard to go past Port right now the way they're playing. No, I agree. Port at home in front of crowd. I'll say Port by 26. 23 for me. Okay. A couple of random stats, Stewie. So after Franklin kicked six goals on the Gold Coast, he became the first player to have multiple five-plus goal hauls against 17 different teams. The only team he hasn't done it against more than once is Hawthorne, his old team, Mm. which he played with for a long time. So that kind of makes sense too. Now, we wrote Richmond off a few weeks ago, and we were right on this one. In the VFL-AFL history... Only five different teams have missed the finals completely after winning back-to-back premierships. The 1913 Bombers, the 22 Tigers, the 42 Ds, the 99 Crows, and the 21 Tigers this year. One more stat, one more tweet. This one from ABC's Corbin Middlemass. This year will be the 28th top eight final series. There have been 28 different combinations. 
Not once has a combination repeated itself over 28 years. I don't mean just in consecutive years either. We've never had the same eight finalists twice. Wow. How's that? That's pretty bloody good. It's bloody good. And now, this week in sport history. August the 24th, 1989, Pete Rose is suspended from baseball for life for gambling. He's also ruled ineligible for the Hall of Fame, which is a real shame for a guy who's the all-time leader in hits, career at bats, plate appearances, and games played. It actually took until 2004 for Rose to finally come out and admit to betting on games while playing for the Reds. But in his defense, he does swear he never bet on them. Yeah, that's one of those ones where he is absolutely blacklisted by the MLB. Interestingly enough, though, earlier this year, he signed up as a spokesperson and a consultant for youpicktrade.com, a Mexican sports betting service. Good for him. Well, it's one of those, if you can't beat them, join them kind of situations, yeah. I think. He's right up there with his pro wrestling career. <laughs> August 25th, 1875, Captain Matthew Webb makes the first observed and unassisted swim across the English Channel in a time of 21 hours and 45 minutes. Now, it's something that I wouldn't dare even try, let alone be able to do. But to show you how far we've come, the record now belongs to Australian Trent Grimsey in just six hours and 55 minutes. Not bad. I think ferry's probably easier. But... <laughs> you wouldn't be caught dead jumping in the water trying either, would you? Oh, sure. Christ, no. <laughs> a terrible swimmer. You're a less confident swimmer than me. <laughs> I'm like the anti-Trent Grimsey. <laughs> awesome name, by the way. August 27th, 2004, in a huge upset in the men's basketball semifinal at the Athens Olympics, Argentina beats a star-studded but very unsettled US team, 89-81, to and would go on to beat Italy for the gold. The US were relegated to bronze that year. Mm. Now, that Argentinian side, they were stacked in their own way. They had guys like Manu Ginobili. In his prime. Andres Nocioni in his prime. Luis Scola, who was... He's probably around his probably prime. Probably around his prime, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard to know. Yeah. And then Walter Herman. They probably had several other guys who played in the NBA. Probably fabulous Fabricio Alberto was on that team. Might have been. Yeah. He might have been. But the US team, they had guys like Stefan Marbury, Alan Iverson, Carlos Boozer, a lot of these me-first guys. And this was obviously before LeBron, D-Wade, and Melo were playing big minutes for the Americans. They actually finished the, the five-game group stage three and two yeah. after losing to Lithuania and Puerto Rico. Yeah, by nearly 20. Crazy. Carl, Carlos Arroyo absolutely ripped them a new one in that game. He <sighs> destroyed them. It was the greatest game that, that anyone has probably played with only 24 points. Yeah. It wow. was phenomenal. So, yeah, not a great Olympics for the Americans. August 28th and 29th, 1882, Australia successfully defend the lowest fourth innings target in test history of just 85 by bowling England out for 77 at the Oval in London in a match which was labelled the death of English cricket. The day after the test, an obituary was written in the Sporting Times saying that English cricket had died and I quote, the body will be cremated and the ashes taken to Australia. And so thus the ashes rivalry was born. Oh, can't wait, Stewie. It's not far off now. On top of this, the 63 runs scored by the Australian team in the first innings was the second lowest total in a first innings for a team that still won, ahead of the 45 that England scored against Australia four years later in Sydney. Australian fast bowler Fred Spofforth took 14 for 90 in the match. And because we love good names, Stewie, I've got to mention, the English team's captain was Monkey Hornby, and they also had an all-rounder called Bunny Lucas. Bunny Lewis, not a bunny, though. Ah, Yes. All-rounder. Yes. Decent. Yes. Decent very, with the bat. Very good. Miss Noma. He's the best batting bunny that you'd ever see. <laughs> this week in sport history. 
So, Nath, big day in the NBA. The schedule has been released. Yes, yes. And the Christmas schedule dropped like within hours of our last recording as well. And look, there's, you can never record at a perfect time because there's always news, isn't there? Absolutely. What do you reckon? The Christmas schedule, I'll start with. I'm not 100% on it, if I'm honest. Last Christmas wasn't great either, was it? I mean, on paper, they look like good games, but none of them turned out to be very good. So I think they've got the right teams this year. I think they've got the order wrong. Okay. So we've got Atlanta at New York. Rematch of the round one. Boston at Milwaukee. Two powerhouses in the East. Golden State at Phoenix. Yep. Another two powerhouses this time in the West. Brooklyn at LA. The matchup most people think will be the finals. And Dallas at Utah. Two very good West teams as well. Utah even better this season, I think. So this is what I mean. It's not bad. I like the start of Atlanta and the Knicks. I love that. And I like the Dallas-Utah to finish it off. But I think the other three games, they could have mixed it up and had the Bucks and the Suns. That would make obvious, yeah. Yep. Obviously, the rematch yeah. of the finals. Yeah. Then you've got Boston and LA. Again, that one makes a lot of sense. I, I like the LA versus Brooklyn one, though. But you have another idea. Well, the wrinkle of Dennis Schroeder. Go Schroeder Financial! Yes. <laughs> yes. But no, Boston yes. and LA is the matchup of, oh, of, all, course. of yeah. all time. Yeah. And then Brooklyn and Golden State. Kevin Durant potentially returning. Oh, yeah, that's a very good matchup. Yeah. Returning to Golden State on Christmas Day. Yes, yes. And apparently, by the way, him leaving is all Steve Kerr and Bob Myers' fault. That's everyone's fault. Except Everyone, yeah, and Draymond's, yeah. <laughs> but get this. The Bucks are not playing the Phoenix Suns until February. Yeah, and interconference games, they only play each other twice. So it, it would have been good to see one early in the early. season, one late in the season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Makes no sense. There are some that are really jumping out to me in the early days. I'll, I'll kind of get your thoughts on these ones. So opening night, Bucks and Nets, Lakers, Warriors. Brilliant. Yeah. Love Spot it. On. Love it. Absolutely yep. perfect. Great way to start. There's a couple of crackers the second night. So the Nuggets and the Suns. Yep, Nuggets will be wanting to exact revenge in their playoff matchup. Match and one that I did not think I would ever talk about, Chicago at Detroit. Ah, well, yes. Whenever our new draft class comes in, it brings intrigue. Cade Cunningham's first game and obviously yep. the new look Bulls. Yeah, yeah. Yep. DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, yep. Avery Bradley, and of course, Alex Caruso. <laughs> <laughs> and then the following night from that, we've got the Hawks and Mavs. So the Luca Trey Young. Yeah, of course, that connection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Bucks and Heat. The Heat will be much improved next season too. And they were no slouches this season. So yeah, absolutely. Very, very interesting. Probably the big surprise, no opening night or Christmas for the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah, that is a bit surprising. So it almost seems like Zion's kind of being buried already. But look, if that's the worst thing that we have to deal with is slightly out of order matchups <laughs> that are still going to be incredibly juicy. It's a nice thing to win. It's out. a very, very yeah. big, big first world problem. Yes, indeed. Now, from the NBA to the NBL, a couple of things we've got to talk about. Well, I think the Wildcats finally have a head coach. Can we start with that? We do. The funny thing is his name is Scott Morrison. Unfortunately, we already have a ScoMo in Australia. So he'll be coach Scott Morrison. How about Coscomo? To be sung to the tune of the Beach Boys. Hmm. Aruba, Jamaica. Who I want to take you down to Costco mode. Oh, well, more like uh, Melbourne United, South East Melbourne Phoenix. <laughs> oh, Jack Jumper. <laughs> I don't know. Talk about some of the range. Albury, Wodonga, <laughs> Mount Isa. Who you're, I want. You're telling you into, I've been everywhere, man. Yeah, well. <laughs> no, look, this is good. And one of the other things that you mentioned on our little messenger that we have, 
revolves around a certain Brisbane Bullets. Ah, well, apparently, now I haven't done my research on this, but apparently he's, uh, Vic Law has unfollowed the Bullets on Instagram and followed the Wildcats on Instagram. There's been no official word, but if that's true... That's, no, not even if. We know that's a three-year contract. <laughs> Lock it in. That would be the best backcourt in the league, I think. It would be pretty damn good. Assuming, I mean, we don't know. Some of the new imports will be unknown commodities, but, geez, that will be very hard to top. Well, until Adelaide signed Damian Lillard. They, they need some bigs, though, the Wildcats. Yeah. Bloody hell. But look, he sounds like a good coach. So Sam Mayakoff tweeted about this today. Heck of a hire by Perth. One of the best G League coaches I've seen guiding those super versatile Red Claws teams and moved up quickly to the front of the Celtics bench with Stevens. Perth is no picnic, but the Mills-Morrison GM coach combination is a good way to start. To which Liam Santamaria said... A notable vote of confidence from Sam, who has previously provided international scouting services for the NBL teams. That's a so that's a good sign. And of course, big. he'll have connections too. So there'll be fringe summer league guys that they'll look at for import spots. We could get Taco Fall. <laughs> no, he's in the NBA, Stewie. We could get Taco Fall. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. That would be oh, that'd be so good. Another big signing we do know is Melbourne United getting Kayla Bagada. The Nigerian. Ah. So they'll be stacked once again. They will be stacked. Yeah, but no Jock Landau. No, that's true. That's true. Who's officially signed with the Spurs, as we mentioned last week. a big hole. It is, but they'll still be bloody good. Oh, they will be. Yeah. They will be. Now, we do have to very quickly address the free-to-air deal that the NBL has signed. Yes, indeed. Yes. Absolutely massive. So they've signed a three-year partnership to broadcast two games live every Sunday on 10 Play and 10 Peach. Yes, Freaking hate that channel. Yeah, I know. I it's, just it's, hate it. Yeah, yeah. And then all the other games are still going to be live on Foxtel and KO Sports as well. Get this, the audiences have actually grown 72% in the last seven years. Well, it's amazing you say that because I was really surprised they signed the deal at the time they did because it was before the medals had happened in the Olympics. Can you imagine if the Boomers had won a gold medal? The rights would have gone up for sure. And even with winning the bronze medal, I think it will help in the game's popularity. But Stewie, it actually feels like a little bit of a step back because we got more games on Viceland. We had live games Friday, Saturday and Sunday on Viceland and you could watch them all on demand as well, the whole season. It's kind of lost on me because I watch everything on KO. Okay, uh, fair enough. So I I didn't really notice that, but uh, that's That's, okay. That's how I scouted Josh Giddy. I watched a lot of the games on Viceland on demand, SBS on demand. Well, that is an interesting point of view. I hadn't thought about that. And obviously... Channel 10 holding the basketball rights is really important in our growing up because when in our formative years, Channel 10 was the channel. And we have good memories of, you know, in Melbourne, the Quartermain Templeton Gossage combination, for example. Even the Bill Woods and, and Steve Carfino. And of course, Carfino. that's where I was going next. Billy Woods and Steve Carfino and Saturday and Sunday basketball, NBA action, all those great old documentaries of Lakers versus Celtics and all that sort of stuff. But there are some schools of thought that say that Channel 10 was kind of the beginning of the end and it was where basketball went to die Mm. because the games were on replay. There was less and less live games. And we know what happened. The game was in the wilderness there for a few years where there was no free-to-air partnership. And even the Foxtel partnership wasn't that great for a couple of seasons. So I don't know how I feel about this. And of course, Channel 10 also pumped a lot of money into the A-League as well. Well, now I feel like I'm the NBL trying to sell it and come across <laughs> that it's a, this great deal when it actually really isn't. I'm not convinced that it is. I mean, it's okay. not terrible, well, but its I don't know if it's great. Great is a strong word. All right, sure, you know what that music means. What do you have for? I mean, it's impossible to go past the first week of AFL finals, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Look, I don't know entirely which one I'm most excited about. As I said before, I think it's probably the 1v4 in Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide Oval. But I'm honestly not sure I'll know until the ball is bounced down. Hopefully they're all great. And I can't run away. Oh, yeah. How about yourself? Well, I do look forward to talking about the cricket and the tennis next week that we didn't get to this week. And, yeah, like you say, how can you go past the AFL Finals, especially after that week? That was absolutely magnificent. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sportplex.